Greetings and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There, you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest and support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. Lots of celebrating going on here. We've got grandkids coming. We've got dogs winning Halloween costumes. It's all good. It's all good. Good morning. It's good to see you guys here again. For those of you watching online, thank you for tuning in. And those who will tune in later, we appreciate you being here and participating in this time with us. Let's pause. Let's pray, and we will get started. Father, once again, we desire to lean into you, to what your spirit would minister to us, to how we can hear from you and live for you where we are in the world that we're living in. And God, our our hearts are heavy with the news that is constantly coming at us, the tragedies that are taking place all over the world and even in our country. Father, it can be overwhelming, and we pray that we would not give in to despair, but we would push forward in hope to be a change and bring about change in our communities, in our families, and in this world. Father, may this morning be opportunity to be encouraged, to be challenged, and to question, Father, what you are doing in our lives and around us. Thank you for this time, Lord. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. An announcement before we get started. I want to remind you that we are going to be doing the uh, stockings for the children again at Foothill Family Shelter. I don't know if we found out the exact number. Is it 36 or more? It was 36, but I think it went up. Okay. So we're planning for maybe 40 kids. Um, and we will get the information on those kids, their age, uh, gender, things like that, so that we can uh, get the gift that would be appropriate for them. We're suggesting 35 to $40 uh, per child for the gifts. Um, we're kind of committing to all of them, so you can take more than one kid if you want. Huh, there's someone at my driveway. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, we'll get you that information coming up. Just have it in your mind. It's one of the things that we've been doing over the years to try and help uh, with those who are uh, less fortunate, and it's been appreciated. I know Foothill Family Shelter really appreciated us taking that uh, on last year, and so we told them that we would do it again this year. So we'll give you more information as that comes about, but keep that in mind. This morning, I'm going to start uh, going through the book of Jeremiah. Um, And I'm not going to go in depth uh, because that would be a long time, but 
there's so many things in this book going through it that are just these gems. I think Jeremiah and the journey that Jeremiah has is something that captures so many things that we can maybe relate to. At least that's my hope. And and so I'm hoping to be able to uh, engage our conversation with one another with some of the things that are happening to him, things that maybe we can relate to, uh, things that relate to our time that were relative to his time as well. And so this morning I want to talk about journaling, about a music teacher, Vincent Van Gogh, and Gary Shandling. We're going to start in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 1. Good place to start. It says, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests living in Anathoth, in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. It also came throughout the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the fifth month of the seventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went in to exile. So we start off with this big picture that Jeremiah and what his life is going to experience and encapsulate is going through multiple kings. In a span of about 40 years, we see that Jeremiah, he hears the word of the Lord and it comes at this time, but it's also at this time and it's at this time and up to the time when they went into exile. And that is so key because that is central to the story of Israel and the scripture. This exile of to Babylon Mark something monumental. How can we be the people of God and be taken captive? How can that be? And from that point, most scholars believe that it was after the Babylonian captivity that most of what we have in the Old Testament was compiled. And it was put together to try and hold on to this faith, to try and reimagine this faith, to try and make a faith that we had still attainable after this catastrophic event occurred to us. And so there is this trying to understand what is this about? How did this happen? What is our role in this? And this event would shape the story and the narrative more than any other throughout the Old Testament. And and what we see here is this story starts with Jeremiah having to wrestle with this. And, And the book is sometimes almost autobiographical. It's almost like Jeremiah is journaling This is what happened, and this is what happened. But there's two voices. There's the voice of Jeremiah that we need to listen to, and there's the voice of God that we need to listen to, and this going back and forth of what is happening here. The word of the Lord, in verse four, the word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. 
I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. When we read something like the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, where does our mind go? I I imagine a voice coming down and saying, hey, Jeremiah, this is what I want you to know, right? That's what we tend to think. The word of the Lord is this voice from God, but something more is happening than that. It's part of the encounter that is happening. So it's not just a voice giving information. It's an encounter that's shaping destination. In Psalm 33, verse six, it says, the heavens were made by the word of the Lord and all the stars by the breath of his mouth. And so God is not simply sharing words with Jeremiah. God is creating a reality that Jeremiah is going to live in. Just like by the word of the Lord, the creation came out, the stars and the heavens and all these things were formed. The word of the Lord coming to Jeremiah is now creating for him a life, a destiny. He's making and empowering Jeremiah to be this person. And I find that compelling and I find it mysterious. How a word given can transform and shape. And I was thinking about times where maybe this has happened in my life, or maybe you can think of when someone spoke to you and it created something in you, it opened up a door. I remember a music teacher telling me, you know what, you should really take music seriously because you have good rhythm. And I was probably maybe 10, 11 years old at that time. And that stuck with me, right? What he said, said, I've got rhythm. I've got, you know, I just like, okay, maybe I, it gave me a boost to continue pursuing music, which became a part of my life for so many years. And, And what would have happened if he didn't share that with me? What would have happened if I didn't get that word of encouragement? What would have happened? How would it have affected my life in another way? How did this shape my life? Just these simple words. And that happens in so many areas of our life. And I think what's happening here, the word of the Lord coming to Jeremiah, you're gonna be a prophet to the nations, is this calling on his life that he sensed, he received, and it shaped him. And I don't know where the word of the Lord begins and where the will of Jeremiah takes over because we're gonna see that there's times throughout this book that Jeremiah has struggles. Like, I ain't, I'm done with the word of the Lord right now, okay? The word of the Lord is getting me nowhere. But then he finds that it's burning within him, that he has to speak it. And so maybe the word of the Lord is affirming what is there and God of course, sees and knows what's there and is trying to encourage Jeremiah in what is within him. And I wonder if God is trying to encourage us with what's within us. And that can be a terrifying thing. 
what is that? What is within me? What is God trying to speak? And we can freak out on those things. And if you do, you're not alone, okay? That's something that has happened and happened to Jeremiah. When I chose to follow Jesus, it was definitely one of those times that directed my life. I had no idea back then when I prayed with someone and I wanted to start following Jesus, accepted Jesus into my heart, that it would lead me on a journey to I'm here today because of what happened at that moment. This event shaped me. When people would encourage me in my understanding of scripture or my ability to talk to people about the things in scripture, all those things shaped me. And so 40 plus years later, I'm here talking about Jeremiah. How did that begin? Where, where, where does that germinate and what does it produce in our lives? And I think the difference between the word of the Lord and just the word of people has to do with the direction and inclusion of others. I think the word of the Lord is always something that is concerned and caring for the bigger picture. And there's nothing wrong with just a word of encouragement just for you, but I think the word of the Lord is something that grows out of you and touches other people. At least that's what we see here happening in Jeremiah. His words weren't just for him. It was for the nations. When God blessed Abraham, it was through you, all the nations will be blessed. There, there is this idea of my work in you is not just for you. It is for others as well. And it's interesting that Jeremiah's future was not really going to appear successful. You would think if the word of the Lord came to you, that's a great thing. But it wasn't really that good for Jeremiah, right? The nation was not going to be delivered from exile. People weren't going to listen to what he said. In fact, he was going to be persecuted for this future. Yay, right? I mean, those aren't the things that we think of, well, the word of the Lord is with me. We, we have this idea, uh, so many of us, not all of us, but I, I think it's prominent in the West and the Western Christian culture that God is always going to bless and give what is in abundance. If God is going to bless, then it's going to be successful. If God is with you, then this is going to grow. And if this is going to happen, and you know, when God answers the prayer, it's going to be you get the the better job. It's going to get healing from the cancer. It's always in our mind that that's what the will of God is. It's always what we consider to be good. And it's hard when it doesn't go that way, when there isn't the healing, when you don't get the good job, when you feel the, the call, the word of the Lord comes to you, but it's a demotion, right? It's so interesting because so many times when I was you know, involved with other ministers, 
they would always say, the Lord is leading me to this. And it inevitably was always leading me to more money, right? The Lord's leading me here. Oh, is there better? Oh yeah, it's a better salary. I get this. It's like, how convenient. God is always leading to what would be easier for you. But that's not what happens with Jeremiah. And I wonder if we are blinded by this need for comfort that we lose sight of what is important. And in verse six, Jeremiah protests. But I protested. Oh no, Lord God, look. I love that. (laughs) Let me tell you something. Look, I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth. Don't know how young he was, but this is similar to what Moses said. I can't go to the people. I don't know how to speak. I have the inability. I don't have the experience. I can't do this. And again, how we are looking at success and measuring what we're supposed to do is based on an understanding that doesn't seem to be in God's vocabulary. He doesn't seem to care that he's young. He doesn't care that Moses can't speak. I wonder what would happen if that was only the determination of success. Vincent van Gogh only sold one painting during his life. Only sold one painting. He produced over 900, yet only the red vineyard at Arles was sold while he was alive. What a failure. I I don't have the experience. I haven't sold any paintings. And yet, he's one of the most well-known artists in the world. If you knew where you would be today and all that you had to go through to get here, all the hardship, the heartache, the people you have loved and lost on the way. Would you protest? If the word of the Lord came to you when you were 10 years old, said, I want you to be here at this point in this time, would you protest and say, no, I, I, I can't do that. I don't have the capacity to endure that hardship. I, I don't have the, the wisdom to, to raise children, to deal with these kinds of circumstances. I couldn't get there. Would you protest? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not strong enough to deal with that. And the truth is, you probably aren't at 10 years old. Jeremiah probably was too young. But life isn't static. You you don't just start off 10 and end up 60. You, You go through your teenage years and then through your 20s and then your 30s and so on, right? It's a progression, I, I think it's so amazing, you know, our little granddaughter, Olivia, she's walking everywhere now. She looks like Frankenstein when she walks, but she's walking everywhere, right? She's just tromping, 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 and just try to stop her. 
but thank God it didn't happen right away. She wasn't born and started walking, right? We needed time to process just having this baby. And so she started off not being able to do anything except eat and poop. (laughs) But the progression happens because life happens. Growth happens throughout our life, not just physically, but also emotionally, also spiritually. Our ability to handle things happens because of all the things that we have to handle. And it doesn't even mean you have to handle them right. Sometimes just the experience alone gives you the ability to do things better. I'm able to be a better dog trainer because I have trained many dogs and start learning how to read dogs and what's happening. I didn't just start off, I'm a dog trainer, I know everything there is. You could have given me all the information and it wouldn't have made sense until I went through the experience and I I got the bites and I dodged the bites and I learned how to read those things. I think the same thing is true with life. And God's response to him in verse seven, then the Lord said to me, right? I told God, look, I can't do this. Then the Lord said to me, don't say I'm only a youth for you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. Now I gotta tell you immediately, this puts me like, don't tell me what I gotta tell people, right? I'm just like, I'm not gonna do this. I, but I love how it first starts off because it starts off, do not say, We could all benefit from these words, do not say. What holds us back from taking on the challenge, right? From doing something new or daring to step into some bigger arena. What negative talk do we have that stops us from achieving more? That I've never done anything like that. I I don't know where to begin. I'm only a youth, I'm only an amateur, I'm only fill in the blanks, whatever it is, I'm only one person. I'm just a poor boy, nobody loves me. (laughs) Some of you there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When we play God, that's where we begin. We use words to create our tiny universe. We fabricate a reality within us with self-talk, and then we live in its cramped spaces. When God says, don't say that, he's pointing out to Jeremiah that his world is too small. And I would challenge all of us that our world is too small. The influence that you have is bigger than you realize. And when God is saying, I'm gonna have you do all the things I'm telling you to do, I don't think it's so much as God saying, I'm gonna boss you around and you're gonna be my slave and do whatever I want you to do. I believe what God is saying to Jeremiah, I've got big things and you're gonna accomplish the things that I tell you to do and not live in the world that you keep telling yourself you're gonna do. And... 
again, I, I think this idea of the word of the Lord coming to us, creating within us a, a bigger understanding of the God who is around us to accomplish more. I don't know what more looks like, and I know that more isn't always easier, but it is more, and I believe it is good. And again, I wonder what would happen if I knew back then what I know now. In verse eight, God continues and he says, do not be afraid of anyone for I will be with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. Don't be afraid. If I knew all the things I was gonna go through, the hardship, the hurt, the loss of loved ones, what words would be helpful to get me to here? I think do not be afraid would be a good one. Because I would come to a place and say, oh, okay, this is what being married looks like. Oh, this is what having kids looks like. If I knew then what I know now, I would have been afraid. Still kind of afraid. And so I think these words are, are powerful. Right? Do not be afraid. I will be with you to rescue you. I will show up how I show up. Remember, that's what I am is. I'll show up how I show up, but I will show up. See, that's the comforting thing is that God shows up. It doesn't always look like I want it to look, but at least it shows up. I remember when my nephew was learning to ride a bike and we took the training wheels off and he was riding his bike and I saw him wobbling. I was like, yeah, this is gonna go down. And he went down, boom, right? He, he, he did the wobbles and boom, he hit the ground. And then I came, I thought, oh man, I'm gonna get in trouble because you know, here's Uncle Sam taking off the training wheels. Go fly free, little bird, right? I mean, I'm just, and I, I send him off and I go running over to them, him thinking, oh man, I blew it. And he's like, a good thing you came here. All that it mattered is that I ran to him. It didn't matter that he fell. In his mind, it was just good that I showed up. And I was like, yeah, tell your parents that. <laughs> it's a good thing I was there, right? <laughs> Let's get our stories straight. See, I, sometimes God shows up how he shows up. And it's just good that he shows up. God didn't promise Jeremiah that all would go well. He'd receive a book deal that he would speak at conferences all over the country that people would answer to his altar call and accept the Lord and there would be revival. He only promised that he would deliver him. And do not be afraid of them. God says, those people who will reject you, don't be afraid of them. Those who would ridicule and insult him. We can allow ourselves to be imprisoned by others. 
we can become slaves to their opinion of us. We will never be our whole self until we are delivered from what others think of us and say about us. I am still trying to do that. I am still affected by what people say about me. I'm over 60 years old. You'd think I'd be done with this. I remember in third grade being affected by what people said of me. You're too cute. No, they didn't say that. (laughs) The voice of others, the fear that what they say is true about us, holds us captive. And so the word of the Lord to create a future for Jeremiah is don't be afraid and don't be afraid of them. That's not what's important. What would happen if some of the people who brought about incredible change, right? Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela were afraid of what others said of them how it would have crippled the movement that they made. Verse nine, then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. Now the word of the Lord was that which creates, I am now putting this within you. And and I'm not sure what all this means, but it seems very intimate. Right, It's like when God breathed into Adam and he became a living soul, or when Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the spirit, there is this interaction with him that is close, where he is receiving something. And I believe what he's receiving is the same thing that God was giving to him. So he's getting this, and now God is giving it to him so that it can be given. The word of the Lord came to him. I'm touching your mouth, so now you can give it to others. In verse 10, it says, see, I have appointed you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and plant. And so now it's God's turn to say, look, right? Jeremiah said, look, I'm just a kid. God says, look, look at what I have just done. With the touch, God put his words into Jeremiah's mouth. And then God says, see, it means perceive. Look, perceive, understand. God is saying, Jeremiah, be aware of what's happening. Just being aware of what's happening Awareness could have saved me so much trouble. Awareness could have given my life so much more meaning. How many times I just was not aware of the circumstances, of the importance of situations. I love watching kids because they're so aware. We had dinner with my granddaughter last night, and she's just aware. She's just staring at everybody. She doesn't care. 
She's just looking at them like, who are you? What are you doing? What are you wearing? Why are you walking here? Just aware, right? Yeah, I don't want to lock eyes with anyone. I don't want to start a conversation or something. I don't want a fight to break out. You mad dog? I mean, you know, it's like, no, I'm not aware. I'm not aware. It's just, I want to keep it low key. How many times if I would have been aware when my kids were talking to me of what they were really saying? How many times if I would have been aware of the emotion of Kareem or other people and changed my tone and attitude? If I would have just been aware. If I would have been aware of what I'm doing, what I'm saying and how it's affecting people. And there's two stages to Jeremiah's ministry. And I think this is, again, applicable in so many areas of life. The first stage is to uproot, break down, destroy, and overthrow. This has to do with popular beliefs, social behaviors, and practice and bad faith, right? You can call it deconstruction. There has to be getting rid of things that aren't good, even if they are in your religious understanding. How many years was I blind to that? And yet this is the first part of what God does, usually in any work, is he has to break it down before he can build it up. The second stage is to build, but not on the old foundation, right? And to plant new seeds. Jesus said, you put new wine in new wineskins. You can't build on the old. It can't contain what needs to happen. And that's the hardest thing because those are the things that we held sacred. How many times the sacred has to be destroyed So what is sacred can flourish. God will not only not totally abandon or destroy his people. He does not send his word through prophets in order to shut people out, but to bring them in. But their way of life will have to be demolished in order to become the true people of God. It's crazy to think of the things that have been done in the name of Jesus. That we look back and are in horror. Promoting of slavery and using the Bible. Right, there's a clip of the new speaker of the house says, you wanna know what I believe? Just look at the Bible. It's like, well, part of the Bible. People use the Bible for all kinds of things. That, that's not necessarily a good thing. So many things had to be torn down. So many things had to be abandoned because they weren't good. But God rescues us from our illusions. He, he rescues us to live in the reality of who he is. The word that came to Jeremiah is a, a a new creation that he is developing, something that he wants to do. He he corrects the negative self-talk with his divine word. He liberates us from the need 
to compromise in order to please others. He destroys what is unhealthy to bring about what is healthy. We need to learn how to receive the word of the Lord, not in Bible studies or memorizing verses exclusively. Those aren't bad things. But it's about noticing being present to and aware of the world around us because God speaks through the sky, through the seas, through the children, through art. And we need to open our hearts to receive in the same way that Jeremiah was going to consume God's word. See, when we reduce the word of God to a legalistic understanding, we blind ourselves to the heart that is behind the words. Later on in Jeremiah 15, verse 16, Jeremiah would say, your words were found and I ate them. Your words became a delight to me and the joy of my heart, for I bear your name, Lord God of armies. I ate and became like you. And if we don't partake of and become like, then what are we really partaking of? See, if all I do is partake of the scriptures and I become someone who is judgmental and condemning, what words am I eating? What am I becoming? I love a quote by Gary Shandling. He says, nice guys finish first. If you don't know that, then you don't know where the finish line is. Looking at Jeremiah's life would look like anything but victorious, but maybe it's because we don't know where victory is. And maybe through this journey with Jeremiah, we can find out that victory looks like more than overcoming or conquering. It looks like participating with, having our lives changed by, in the midst of, wherever we are. Let's pray. Lord, I I confess that there is so much I do not know about you, about what you are doing, about what you are doing even in my life. But I desire to know. I pray that you would Touch our lips as you touch Jeremiah's, that you would allow your word of creation to come to us as it did to Jeremiah, that this work you desire to do and you desire for us to participate in in the various ways that we can, we would not be blind to it. We would not be afraid of it. We would not be doubting our ability to participate in your kingdom. That we're not too young, too old, too 
lame, that you have brought us to this place for purpose. That if we breathe, we breathe with your purpose. Help us to fulfill that, Lord. Help us to hunger for that and not limit what our lives could be for your sake. We do ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. May you hear the word of the Lord as it comes to you to create life and not allow fear or self-doubt to hinder the dreams that God puts within you. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Look forward to our conversation. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.